Blog Talk Radio. another edition of the brown bag i'm your host michael t brown hey follow us on twitter at mtbrown98 or at our facebook or linkedin page under the name michael t brown do you love hip-hop music is that sound missing from your church worship experience well today we plan to discuss hip-hop and the church inspiring a generation That's right, whether you know it or not, hip-hop and the church are starting to be mentioned in the same sentence. Is the church ready for that? Is hip-hop music ready for that? Hey, Mike, we have a very special guest with us today who's making quite a name for himself. Now, I know you're a fan of gospel hip-hop. What do you think about its potential, especially when it comes to our young people? Well, Mike, I think it's really important, especially now. We we need a bridge. We need a way to find um, a way to get to our young people and bring them back into the church. And we, we have to have some things that they are similar to, to, you know, that they're listening to that they already like to sort of bring a new message. And, and I think that's really what it's all about. I would agree with that. And Gemstones is certainly making a major impact in that direction. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him for us? Chicago singer, songwriter, and MC, Jim Stones is the definition of true talent. Jim Stones began his career in 2001 when he linked up with then-unknown fellow Chicago rapper Lupe Fiasco. Fiasco and his partner, First and Fifteenth Productions founder Charles Patton, immediately signed Jim Stones. And in 2006, he released his first project, Untamed Beast. Later that year, MTV gave Jim Stones the opportunity of a lifetime when he hosted Chicago's version of the network's documentary series, My Block. While working on various projects including Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor and The Cool, Jim Stones' music reached international levels. While also being featured on tracks with Drake and Jay-Z as well as touring the world as part of Lupe Fiasco's The Cool Tour. Jim Stones began putting together his debut album, Troubles of the World, 
And in the summer of 2007, after traveling the country, Gemstones later released his follow-up project, The Testimony of Gemstones. Following the release of The Testimony of Gemstones in 2009, Gemstones decided to part ways with his first and fifteenth family. He took a small hiatus from music to build a relationship with God and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He also focused his attention on building his own brand and expanding his fan base. In 2010, Gemstones re-emerged and released his highly anticipated street album, Road to Glory, My Story. With the release of Road to Glory, by building his company, Gemstones for Life, he is actively touring and performing in various cities. Fans can look forward to newly inspired music from Gemstones, reaching a global audience from all walks of life through his creative and eclectic reinvention. Gemstones, welcome to the brown bag, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Honored to be yes. here. Hey, it's a blessing to have you on, man. Hey, I had the Amen. opportunity to hear you when you visited Mount Zion Baptist Church in Arlington. And let me say, you helped set that place on fire, man. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> hey, tell us about your journey uh, to get here. We're going to get into, you know, the music and a lot more about your career uh, a little later in the interview. But tell us about Jim Stone's The Person. Um, childhood, growing up in Chicago, what was it like for you? Uh, me as a person. Um, <sighs> I was a very curious child um i got into a lot you know mom said don't touch the stove i was a kid when her back was turned ah touch it she <laughs> exactly what i said don't do why'd you do it um i was i was just very curious growing up um school i in school i used to sit in the back of the class and draw all day uh growing up um, you know, the peer pressure from the kids and, you know, I didn't know we were really poor. Uh, I get jokes cracked on me a lot, so I was afraid to raise my hand and let the teacher know that I didn't know the answer to the question, so um, I held a lot in. Mm. Um, but I saw a lot. I saw a lot growing up. And, um, I come from a really, really, really spiritual background, like my mm -hmm. granny. Like she's like the she was like the head of the family, uh, praying a lot. She was an evangelist. She went all over preaching and you know doing her thing. But I didn't understand it as a child. All I knew was like she said, "Yo, you're going to you're going to um, Sunday school. You're going to Bible study. You're going to." And I didn't like it as a child. I just knew I, I just knew the number one rule was don't go to sleep because you're gonna get popped on the head if she catches you sleep. <laughs> So I grew up like that. So I, I knew God at an early age, but I didn't know him, and I was seeking him out at an early age. So I was uh, experiencing the world, but I knew who, like, God was growing up. Um, I was into music at an early age, listening to rap. Uh, I had cousins that I would go over their house on a weekend in, like, second, third grade to visit them and their uh, my auntie would leave in the morning time to go to work, and uh, my cousins would pull out these Scarface Ghetto Boy tapes, 
and had like a lot of profanity on them. I'm like, oh my God, what is this for listening to? But my auntie thought that my cousins were like these angels because they, yes, mommy, no, we'll be in bed by six. And it's like, soon as she left the house, oh my God, they were pulling like these, 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 these kids were monsters. And this is who my mom used to send me to hang with. So, um, so I started off listening to music at an early age. With that being said, they introduced me to Scarface and N.W.A. and uh, Ghetto Boys and MC8 and all the West Coast music when when the West had it locked back in the day. So that's what I grew up listening to. Um, um I I knew my my whole family knew how to sing, so yeah. that's where my voice come from. Uh, I was always afraid to sing because when I sung, I would get talked about, but not knowing, it was just like, oh, he's singing, oh, my God. So I never wanted to show everyone that I do how to sing, but it, was, it, was until, it wasn't until high school that I really, you know, wasn't ashamed of using my voice because it, it was cool at that time. R&B music was heavy, and the girls liked it, so it was like, okay, oh, my God, he sings, ah. <laughs> so I started um, singing, but I knew how to rap. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was your father that. in the picture? Oh, my father. I had a stepfather. Yeah, I had a father. I had okay. a father. My father was in and out the picture. He would come get me. I, I remember as a child, me a lot, me waiting on my father. He would always promise me things like, "Yo, I'm coming." And I remember sitting on the porch, just waiting on him. And that day came and went. Wow. And then. And then he, my mom would, would, would come out the, uh, my mom would come out on the porch and she'd be like, uh, come on in, baby. He's he not coming. And I would get angry. And I'm like, he is coming. He, he's coming. It was like every car looked like it was his. I'm waiting on this green car. And for some reason, it's nothing but green cars coming. Then, like I said, that day came and went. Did he have yeah. some type of lame excuse to tell me next week? Next week came. My mom would prepare me and say, baby, stop. He's not going to. And I'm like, yes, he is. Then I'm on the porch again, all dressed up, waiting, and that day came and went. So I went through a lot of that as a child growing up. So when he did finally really did come through for me, I visited him on the weekend, and he was like my hero. Oh, wow. But then that was it. I don't know. He was like my hero because he, he was a Marine. So I was a Marine, and he, you know, this young guy, he was had all these adventurous stories about war in uh, Japan and Africa and showing all these really cool pictures. And I thought my father was just, he was my hero. But I had a stepfather who I was in the house with, who I was in the household with. At the time, he was just like this monster to me because he, he and my mom was always fighting and he was drinking and uh, he raised me. He's the one who actually raised me, but I didn't want to put the dad title on him. I wanted to put the dad title on man who I've been chasing, my hero who I could never want what we can't have. Right. It's like we all, in life, we always want what we think can have. And that's, that's who I would give respect to. I would give the respect to this guy who never was showing up and, you know, yada yada is in the dark. But the guy who was under my household, who had been there since I was born, that's who I should, be, I should have been given respect to the whole time, but I wasn't. So that was like that situation. We later on in life get up, you know, because now now I'm older, it's like life is a circle, it goes around, you know, it, it, it comes around, just give it time, it'll come around. Now my father's calling me, 
yo, what are you doing? And uh, it's like, I make time, but it's like I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, go ahead. And it's, you know, it's interesting you mention that because oftentimes in our community, you know, the father issue or the lack of fathers is the elephant in the room. So to hear you talk about it, you know, and to share your story, I think sheds a lot of light. And oftentimes when that, that father figure isn't there, other entities fill that vacuum. And music does that. Can you talk a little bit about how music has played a part uh, in your life as you grew up? And, and then take us into how it started to segue into a career for you. When you, when you said, hey, you know what, I think I can do this for a living. Um, music has played a major role in my life, bro. Um, it's kept me out of trouble. It's kept me focused. Um, music has been like the, the theme song to my life. It's been the, it's kept me grounded. It just, it just, it just kept me, music kept me, music has kept me, just music. I grew up listening to Jodeci. Wow. At a time when music was music, I grew up at a time when when, when it was, you actually saw Michael Jackson perform. That's yeah. when I grew up. Like yo, Thriller was out. I'm a kid, but I'm scared. Like these kids nowadays, they'll never get to experience that. Thriller's on, and I'm a child, and I'm scared. The the the, the commercial. I mean, the the the, um, the video has scared me out of my mind. Uh, so I grew up. On Michael Jackson, I grew up on Boys to Men, Jodeci, BBD, uh, Chi Town, uh, H Town. I mean, um, another bad creation, SWV, TLC. So area era, I got to experience that that part of music. So it it, it had a lot of influence on the way I dressed, the way yeah. I talked, it, it, uh, the way I would approach women. It had an effect on everything, but the crazy part about it was that I actually was into it. I wasn't just a fan of music. It was something that I was blessed with. I was able to sing as a child just as good as any of the, as your Michael Jackson when he was a kid, but I just didn't want to let mine show because of the, the low self-esteem I had as a kid because my self-esteem had been snatched away as a child wow. from being not from not having as a child, and like I said, the kids talking about you in the classroom and laughing at you, and you not knowing that you're poor, you think that wearing hand-me-downs is a way of life. I just thought, I didn't know we were poor. I thought, you know, I thought that, you know, you were supposed to wear your, your older sister's tight jeans with the zippers on the side, but no pockets in the back. I thought, you know, thrift stores with the store. I thought the off-brand cereal and the off-brand foods. I thought that was living. I didn't know it was. I thought, I thought uh, holding the buggy and walking down the street with all the laundry, dirty laundry, and walking past all my friends and being laughed at. I thought that was life. Wow. So I was ashamed. So that that smashed my self-esteem, which held made me hold a lot in, not showing my my ability. Uh, to sing and rap. Yeah. When 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 Jodeci was on TV, I couldn't sing in front of everybody. I'd wait till everyone leave. I'd do my yeah. thing, but I was talented. I was yeah. I was boxed up with all this talent, but I didn't display it. So, um, 
Now you're displaying that talent now. Let let me and when you dropped all those names, you know, of those artists, we obviously are in a similar age category because those names I'm with you on those, bro. Now, right. When did it start to become <laughs> yeah? When did it start to become real for you and say, you know what? I think I can do this for a career. When did that shift come? Okay, I, I want to say this little small part. I always knew. I always knew as a child. I started rapping in like third grade. I started rapping in third grade, like literally writing raps, big raps. And I always knew then that this is what I was going to do when I'm older. It was just a matter of when. It wasn't was I going to, like, it was just a matter of when, whenever it was going to happen for me. So throughout my life, I, I've been rapping and I've been preparing for this moment now. I always wrote. I'd always sing. I went through my whole grammar school. I went through grammar school, junior high, in talent shows, high school, doing talent shows. I was waiting on the opportunity to meet Puff Daddy after I graduated school in 1999. I'm like, after I graduated high school, I'm like, yo, I had a scholarship to go to uh, um, college. I was like, no good. I'm not using it. I'm done with school. As soon as those bells rung and it was over, school is out, I'm like, Puff Daddy, here I come. Where are you? Because I was looking up to Mace at the time. I'm like, bad boy, got it. I cannot wait. I'm looking for Puff, huh? (laughs) I'm looking for Sean Puff Daddy Combs. I'm not trying to see no more school. I'm finished. Who needs? I'm done. I know what I want to do. So I started. But I actually ran into Will Smith. I didn't run into Puffy at the time. I ran into Will Smith. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I ran into Will Smith in 2001. It was, um, they were in Chicago filming a movie. Uh, it was, it was, I believe, it was the boxing movie. It was, no, it was the boxing movie, the Ali. Okay. They were doing Ali at the time. So I was like, yo, I got I to gotta get back. They had all the, the big trucks outside and the, the movie trucks and the trailers. And I'm like, yo, I got to get back here and meet this dude. So I found my, um, I saw these interns or whoever they were uh, walking towards the trailers. And I'm like, yo, I'm, there's my opportunity. So I just slid in line with those people and I jumped in the back of the line. I just started walking, fixed my posture like I was, you know, one of the important people and when I got ready to go in the trailer this big tall dude stopped me he's like yo what are you doing (laughs) and I'm like excuse me um uh, (laughs) excuse me sir excuse he's like come on shorty beat it I'm like all right man okay 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 I'm not an intern I'm none of that man my name is Gemini and I and I got the passion to do this and I'm trying to meet Will Smith he's like listen man beat it before I call the police and you get locked up so I was like, come on, man. I'm like, uh, who are you? What, 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 can I pass you a tape? Can I pass you my tape? I mean, my CD, can I sing for you? You, uh, you know, you know how to script, though. He's like, no, no, but I was really persistent. And he was like, all right, come on. Go ahead. Show me what you got. Wow. So I rapped for him. He's like, whoa, you wrote that? I'm like, yeah. And I sung for him. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> who wrote that? I'm like, I did. He sing something else, so I sung again. Then I rapped again. He was like, oh, my God. He was like, listen. He went in his pocket, pulled his card out, like, yo, my name is Charlie Mack. I'm Will Smith's best friend, a.k.a. his assistant, I mean his manager. He was like, come on back here. I'm about to take you to meet him. So he took me back. <laughs> we went to the back. Uh, I met Will. We hung out for like five days, the remainder of the trip while, um, while they were in Chicago. 
and uh, the manager, Charlie Mack, is who I was going through. So now, mind you, I'm hanging with Will Smith, my mom. Everyone's excited. They're like, oh, my God, he finally <laughs> made it. My son is with Will Smith, and ah, we finna be on. They were with Overbrook Entertainment. Right. So I'm like, yes, this is it. It's finally happened. Ain't no puppet, Eddie, but, hey, Will Smith would do. Right. So, <laughs> so Charlie Mack called in this producer named Omar. He's the kid, the kid who wrote Big Willie Style. He's the one who – Big Willie Style went 10 million plus, but he's mm-hmm. the one who produced it. Mm-hmm. So he flew Omar in to meet me, and then Charlie Mack told me, he said, yo, do for me, what, do, to, do for Omar what you did to me, for me. So I sung, I rapped, but Omar showed no expression. His facial expression was like, okay, okay. Uh, and I'm thinking like, oh, wow. So by the end of the fifth day before those guys went home, I was like, Charlie Mack wasn't giving me a info. I'm like, we were on the elevator. And they were packing their bags, getting ready to fly back to Philly. And I'm like, yo, so what's up? Are y'all going to sign me? And he was like, yo, I'm going to be real, kid. Omar feels as though you don't have what it takes to be a star. I was like, what? He's like, I, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with him, but he handles the music department. He feels as though you don't have what it takes to be a star. But listen, I want you to stay in contact with me. Go to the studio, record three songs, and I'm going to get you signed with any company you want to sign with. This oh, time, this is my first shot. I was crushed, and I'm going to speed this story up for you. I was crushed. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to sign with anyone else. This is who I had made my mind up with. A few months later, I ran into Lupe Fiasco. Um, at the time, Lupe Fiasco he was Lupe Fiasco. He was just inspiring. Uh, Chicago rap on the scene trying to get heard just like me but when we ran into each other he was ahead of me already mm-hmm. and he were working with producers and his sound was like rounded off his sound was like he 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 Lupe was pretty much a well he was a polished artist when I ran into him and right. Lupe was where I was trying to be but Lupe heard my challenge like yo he's like yo what's good what was you who? before I knew it I was signed to the company uh, fast forward, before I knew it, we was working on mixtapes. Before I knew it, we were hanging out with Jay-Z, and everything just started happening so fast. I never forgot about Charlie Mack. I would always sometimes just ring the phone to see if his phone worked, if the number was still the same, and he'd pick up and be like, yeah, what's going on? I'm still waiting on those three songs. I was like, oh, my God, he remember. Uh, uh, I got you. I- I'm going to send them to you. So I went off, and me and Lupe began traveling the world. We um we did it for a good living at that point. Oh, I mean, with the label, yeah, yeah, with the record company, yeah, everything, everything was like it was. It was pretty much it was a situation where you can call the um you can call the manager like yo, I need this, I need that. He was just giving it to me like okay, here you go. It was like a lot of gifts. Here you go, mind you, I didn't know, but. At the time, remember, all I had was talent. I knew nothing about a record contract. I knew nothing about residuals and uh, I knew nothing about anything. I didn't know the business aspect of the game. All I knew was I knew how to sing and rap. So um, we finished the first CD. We did it. I couldn't believe it. It went so fast. Yo, it was out before I knew it. I'm just 
happy to be. I'm showing my mother, like, this is me in the inside of a CD cover. My name is, like, yo, my name is in the inside of a real CD at a record store. That's my face on the front of, a, well, the back insert of a, you know, that's my songs. And so everything starting to take off now. Um, everybody's knowing me. Gemstone, Gemini is Gemini. The name starts to get uh, recognized, but there was a group here by the name of Men at Large, and one of the guys, his name was Gemini. So lawyer contacted me while I was on the road, like, kid, you better change your name because you're about to get sued. So I just went with Gemstones. I was already getting called Gemstones. Um, then we do Lupe's Southmore album. This time around, I'm doing, like, writing. Um, because he know this time I'm doing writing on his album and um, producing, like not doing beats, but I'm producing. You know, you're in the studio saying, yay, nay, nay, no, put that there. No, don't say that. Put that. So I'm producing. Um, the album comes out. Um, now I'm on the road. I got my own, well, I've been on the road, but now it's, it's just like it's getting major now. I'm working on my project now. I release Elephant in the Room, and everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows who First and Fifteenth is. Everybody mm-hmm. don't know who I am, but everyone knows who Lupe is. But right. my fan base is growing, 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 and it's a big, it's a large, it's a large group of people who know who I am. So I get to the BT, we get to the BT Awards. I make it all the way to the BT Awards. I do the red carpet. <clears throat> After the red carpet was over later that day. I don't know if you guys know Bryce Wilson. He was from Groove Theory. Groove and, Theory, yes. Yeah. His name is Bryce. Yeah, Bryce Wilson from Groove Theory. He's like my brother. Um, he's like a heavy on in the secular world. So we go to this Adidas party later that day. Bryce Wilson like, yo, yo, son, yo, son. Gemstones, yo, baby, baby, I want you to meet somebody. I got somebody I want you to meet, son. I want you to Right? So he's been telling me, that day he had somebody he wanted me to meet. So I get to the Adidas party, and he's like, you be talking. He's like, yo, my man said, I want you to meet somebody. So he take me. <laughs> we go through all these people. I follow them. We get to the back of the, the little spot we was in, and then the guy was standing up talking to somebody. His back was turned. And then Bryce wa- walked up to him. He's like, yo, remember I was telling you I want you to meet my little brother, Jim Stones? He's here. And dude turned around, and it was Omar who had wow. told me that I didn't have what it take <clears throat> years earlier. In 01, he told me I didn't have what it took to take to be a star. <clears throat> and now here I am. Bryce Wilson was bigging me up to him like, yo, it's this kid. And Omar looks up to Bryce Wilson, and Bryce is like, yo, it's this dude with this incredible talent. He's the... He turns around and tells him, and Bryce looked like, yo, do y'all know each other? <laughs> and I was like, uh, what did I say? Yeah, like, yeah, I think we, yeah, I said something. Like, no, yeah, something. But we looked, and dude's face just dropped like, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, like, dude. <clears throat> so, we, and I made it, and now I was on. And now, did you and Omar like, ever, uh. Uh, we never worked. We ne- I okay. guess he couldn't. He he just looked. He felt stupid because right. he knew he had told. He left me hanging years back and told me I didn't have what it take. Took to be a. I didn't have what it took. And so we just. I shook his hand and I walked off and that was it. 
And I think that's a message for, you know, young people. I think you're helping a lot of people right now that other people's opinions don't determine your destiny. I mean, you didn't nope. allow what another person's opinion was to shape your destiny. That's powerful. Yeah, that, that, that rocked I'm gonna keep it with you. It rocked my world. Because the thing is, he been this dude, he just kept saying, yo, this guy wants you to meet. I got this guy I want you to meet, son. Don't go nowhere. Don't get lost. I got this guy I want you to meet. Man, he turned around. It was dude. And dude looked like, what? In God's name? What are you doing? Huh? He couldn't say nothing. He didn't even say nothing. Bryce yeah. was like, do y'all? I'm like, nah, man, it's it's all good. What's up, bro? Now, let's fast forward. Now, let, you, you go through that. You're in hip-hop. You're making moves. You're traveling. When did you get to the point where you said, I got to do this for God? Take us to that moment, that shift. I was, uh, hip-hop is going on. Mind you, remember I told you the whole time I come from a whole spiritual background. My granny prayer was set since I was a child. Like God was instilled since a kid. Remember the pops on the forehead I was getting in, in Bible study and Sunday school and, oh, my God, all that church I was doing. Hmm. So that was already there, right? <clears throat> I apologize. I'm, I drunk some milk. I'm not supposed to be eating that, drinking that stuff, and it got me all, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm on the road, right? And I'm empty. <clears throat> I'm empty, bro. And I'm chasing. I just expected it to be more. I'm going to these different cities, but I'm expecting. I mean, I saw Tupac. I saw Biggie. I saw the Jay-Z documentary backstage, and I'm like, it's supposed to be more than this. All this music I was watching growing up, I'm here now. I mean, I'm doing shows. I'm like, I'm meeting anybody you can. I've met, I have met Puff Daddy. I've met them all. I have met everybody in the industry, hanging out with them. But I'm still empty. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, they lied. Somebody lied to me. Where is the industry that I used to see growing up? Where is that? Lupe was like, man, this is the industry. Welcome to the music industry. Wow. And I'm like, wow. What would people think about the the music industry, uh, and, I, and I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, no, I definitely want to hear about your point to, you know, how you transition to God. But stay there just for a minute. What might surprise us about the music industry? <laughs> it's not real, bro. This is the industry right here. What's going to surprise you is, um, well, everybody knows it's, it's like fake. It's, it's like, it's fake. You know what they, what they say about Hollywood. But, it's really not what you see on TV. It's really lights, camera, action. It's all an act. You would think that these stars are all together at this one place, and but that's not true. The, the one place doesn't exist. Where the BET Awards are being held, that was only made up for that one day. We think it's, we think it's this world. The, the music industry has painted this facade of a world where all the stars are, where where you can go and you'll see Jay-Z and, and Biggie and Pac and, and Drake and all these little ones. But it's not so. These people are scattered around the world just like me and you. 
Yeah. It's no place. I always thought it was a place where the stars go. Yeah, Hollywood, but even I was in Hollywood. I'm walking down Rodeo Drive, I'm hanging, and I'm like, okay, I see the Hollywood sign. Okay, it looks no different from the, it looks worse in, 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 in person. It, it There's got to be more peak. to this. There's got to be more to this. Yeah. It was basically, you remember the whiz, how at the end, dude, uh, Richard Pryor came out and it was never, did you ever see the whiz? I did. Okay, and Richard, Richard Pryor came out at the end from behind that machine and he was like, yo, they saw him from behind the curtain and found out that the whiz really didn't exist and it was a man the whole time. Like, it's like all a big lie. Wow. The Hollywood sign looks tore up in person. It looks all raggedy on on a dirty mountain, and it's. But you really painted, rolled the dice here. I mean, you were out here in hip hop making it happen. People were knowing your name. Uh, dude, how did you? How did you say? Take us back, okay? You're you're wrestling. You're empty. How did you say enough? Take us to that point. Oh, because I'm at the point where I'm saying, where is the Hollywood sign? Why does it look like that? Where are all the stars? I've hung with them. Yeah, you did, but that's not. I'm, but it was still more. And like I told you, I grew up with a spiritual background, and I'm doing things in my life that I had no business doing. Like I was fornicating, I was drinking, I'm doing everything trying to just fit in. But that wasn't feeling me up. I'm doing it, but it's not feeling me up. I'm having visions of me dying. God is showing me my death. Wow. Uh, I'm not getting paid the way I'm supposed to be getting paid. Um, I'm out here, and I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I ain't even going to go there with it. I'm going to just leave it alone. I'm going to say that for another day, for another yeah. interview, another time. We'll have you back. We'll have you back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out here, <laughs> and, man, there were some things going on that it wasn't adding up. One plus one was and I was getting nine. I'm like, why do I keep adding one plus one plus one? Why is nine keep coming up? I'm not getting it. So God was literally talking to me. I used to have conversations with God, and I wasn't even like all in church, but I'm thinking it's my conscience, but it's God. I know now who it was. I'm talking to this man a lot. He's telling me, Marco, you better shape up, bro. Hell is too hot. Eternity is too long. I spent my whole, I, I thought about hell a lot when I was on tour. Wow. When I was on tour and, and, and doing what I was doing in the world, I always had visions of hell for some reason. I thought about the afterlife a lot. I always pondered on the afterlife. And God was always telling me, shape up, get your life right, get your rule. Long story short, I was back in town. One of my friends was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't want to make, and then I just said, you know, I'm not going to make negative music anymore. And I said, I'm going to, for some reason, I just started making, I just got all positive and didn't want to, I didn't want to be a part of that dark world no more. And I didn't care about a chain of liquor and something just came over me. And I started seeking God more. And then it started getting scarier and scarier and then not scarier to see God, but my life had begun getting scarier because I told you I started having these visions. And then I had this vision where I died in my sleep. Well, it wasn't a vision. I literally did die in my sleep. I died in my sleep one time. I talked to God about it. I was, I was so, I had to stay drunk and I had to stay, stay turned up and keep people around me at all times because I was afraid to go to sleep at night because I always wow. thought I would die in my sleep. And it was these demons, just demons of, 
the, the sex demons, the, the liquor demons, and the, the, the low self-esteem demon, and all these demons, and these pride demons, they would taunt me at night. All the doors are closed, and the people gone, and the chain, and the jewelry is off, and the TV is turned off, and no more liquor, and no more girls. Now it's just me and my demons. And they, wow. ha, 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 you know, the real talk. And I was afraid to go to sleep. And then one day I, I thought I was going to die. And then one day, you know, I went to sleep and I literally didn't wake up. I experienced something that is beyond the, the natural mind. I experienced something. I went to the other side. Literally, I went to the other side. And then what I saw, it shook me up so bad. I was like, whoa, it's getting real. This is real. I, when, I, when I got up, and God allowed me to get up and he pulled me back to the side, I knew, okay, he's not playing with me. But still, I'm straddling the fence. So I'm looking for God, and I'm still doing my thing. Then I had a best friend. He was into church. He was doing this. He was, like, into church, and he, he had a closer relationship with God than I had. And he was... But... When he passed away, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, I'm done. First thing came out of my mouth, I said, Jesus, you got me. When I found out he had passed away on his bike, I said, Jesus, you got me. You got my attention. I'm done. I remember taking my earrings out of my ear. I, I slung them. Uh, I just, I, I said, you got me. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm, I threw my car in. I threw my hand in. I said, I'm done. And... um that's when I began my journey right there with Christ, right there. That day after my friend passed away, and he passed away so I could live. That's what God told me. He had to die so I could live. God removed him out my way because it was like my friend Nick, he wasn't blocking me, but I was allowing Nick to be a hurdle, a brick wall in my way from getting to God. Right. As long as I was following Nick and doing the things he was doing, I could never do what God wanted me to do because I'm following Nick instead of following Christ. But Nick's relationship was good with Christ. I remember him clearly. You know, no one is perfect, but, you know, me and Nick hung out him, but I couldn't see Christ because of Nick was in a way. I saw Christ a little, so God said, okay, let me take, let me remove Nick out the way because I know you're using him as a kickstand. So if I remove Nick, you have no one to lean on because my friend Nick was a person I put all my trust in. I didn't trust a woman. I didn't trust nobody. I trust Nick more than I trust God. Wow. And when God removed him, I had nobody to lean on because I didn't trust anybody. So I couldn't run to nobody. It was no one I could tell my secrets to. Nick was gone. I couldn't tell my, I couldn't, who could I lean on? God set it up where I had to run to him. And after that, I began my journey. And I went the first to 15th. I called them people up and I said, yo, dude, I remember I told Chile, I said, this is it. I can't do it no more. He told me the truth deserves no explanation. Wow. I said, no doubt. Lupe, mad at me. I don't know why he was mad. He had an attitude. He was in his flesh. But I said, hey, I'm not going to die for you, bro. I'm not, I'm clearly, then, you know, it was these people prophesying and walking up to me just all at once in my life saying, I didn't even know these people saying, yo, there's a calling on your life. You cannot go back out into the world. This stuff was scaring me. Wow. You cannot go back into the world. You are going to die. You are going to die telling me this stuff. Wow. What? 
Wow, that's powerful. Right? They all just, every, everything, just, my world is crashing down at once. I keep getting these spiritual people walking up to me, telling me this stuff. Lupe mad at me. I've left the label. Um, I called. I'm sleeping with all these different women, but this one girl in particular who I was with, who I'd never slept with, she had her own crib. She had her own mind. She had her own, she just was, I loved her the most, but I didn't love her. But I, I was out of all the girls, it was her. And that's the one I, I was like, it's like you can't shack no more. I was like, okay. So I called her up. I called every girl up. And I told them I couldn't be with them. And they all crying like, no, why are you leaving me? Like, Listen, this is it. And I called my wife up, which wasn't my wife at the time. We were only together for some months. But I've known her for a long time. We we were only together for a month. And I, I was like, I can't do this. If we're going to be together, we got to get married. Do you want to marry me? She was like, yes. Wow. I was like, what? I'm like, let's go. We went off and got married. I like, I threw my cards in for real. I lost everything. Everything that I had when I was in the world, I lost it all. All my clothes. I was, I lost it all. I struggled. I was in the belly of the well. God, God really tore me down to build me up. It was to the point where I was in the house. I stayed in the house for like a whole year. And some months doing nothing but crying and studying and praying. Just wow. me and this woman who was my wife now that the world didn't know was my wife. I didn't tell nobody until later that me and her got married. Um, man, I, he, God made me give away all my clothes. He made me get, give away my shoes. I was dealing with... Um, Pride, he showed me that. I was dealing with, um, I forgot, my mind just caught a fire, but when you just gouging and going in on a lot of stuff and just want everything, uh, what's, what's the word for that? He, he just he just kind of put you back. Uh, yes. He, yeah. he, he pulled you back from things. He, he made you man, examine your life. There you go. And I had brand new, man, if you would have saw my closet from things I had from that roll, coat, shoes, box, I'm... He made me give it all away. When wow. it was done, I had like two pair of pants and one pair of boots and two pair of shoes and a couple shirts. Now, obviously, you've regained a lot and you've, you've transitioned. Let me ask you, what is your take on hip-hop and the church? Where are the state of things and what more can we do to reach this generation? I think um, what more can, can who do hip-hop? hip-hop artists do to reach the generation or just people in a whole? Um, people overall. I, say more, I, I think they connect, but I mean, I, I, what I really want to get at is how can hip-hop, because, you know, young people gravitate to that music. Um, yeah. What yep. are you seeing? Yep. What are you seeing as far as, because I saw the way the young people responded when you came to our church. What are mm -hmm. you seeing as far as um, what hip-hop can do to reach young people? Uh, really all it takes is Turning the message, switching the message around. That's it. But you got greed that's in between. You're not going, you, it's like gemstones. If you switch this message up, you're making 50000 a night. Pepsi isn't going to want you no more because that ain't what Pepsi signed you for. And you, every artist deals with that. You got, they got bills to pay, man. They got big homes and houses and a lifestyle they got to keep up. And if they just switch their message up, that's over. You got to pay money from the fall. So that means they can't live in that crib no more. That means they can't 
the 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 girls in the, on the strip holes they can't make that music no more. So that means no more strip clubs. They not, and and it's a lot that comes behind it. They know what they got to do. They know what they need to do to change the world, to help change the world. But we think selfishly. We like, well, if I do that, then I'm gonna lose this, and I can't do that. Well, well it ain't me. I'm not struggling. Yeah. I don't know if it's a dude out there with no food in his mouth, so because I got food in my mouth, so I don't know. So I'm gonna just keep living my life until, you know, until God take me. But and once you make so, that transition, like you did, you made the transition. What are you seeing as far as the impact that your music dude, is having on young people? I, I see, man. I see. I see a generation of people, man, who who who's 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 dying for the truth, man, who wants the truth. I see a generation of people who, who who's looking to be led. They are looking to be led. Everyone is looking to be led. Everyone's looking to follow something. So everybody's looking to put their faith and trust in something to say that's who everybody's looking for that. But they don't have nothing but Jay Z. They don't have nothing but Kanye. They don't have nothing but Lil Wayne and Drake saying, toss it up, turn it up, Chris Bow, Ace of Spade, shorty, put my thing in your mouth and this and turn it around and shoot them up, kick the door. So that's what they following because that's all they know. I mean, it ain't all they know, but it goes back to what I said. When I was in third grade or growing up in grammar school, I wanted to do this, but you get talked about if you really be who you are. So let me be you so I could be accepted. Everybody wants to be accepted, bro. So that's where it is. But I'll tell you this. I made that. I said I, I changed my music up, and I've seen lives change, man. It's like I've seen, like, it's like a glass of water in the desert. It's so refreshing. I, people are being like, oh, my God, what is this? Oh, my God. Wow. How are you doing this at this level of talent? with a message because it can be corny. It's a lot of artists out here I've heard. They have a good message, but they're corny with it. And it, it, honestly, you don't want to listen to it. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you're saying the truth, but, dude, this is corny. I don't even, oh, my God, that's so cheap. Yeah, I was talking to Mike Fordham one time. He talked about how, you know, Christianity is cool and can be cool. You know, that that's really life at its mm-hmm. best. Uh so that's powerful. I mean, your testimony is powerful. Tell me about your career now, some of the things you got going on. And, uh, you know, Mikey, your story reminded me of the, the prodigal son who came back home. Um, <clears throat> what are you seeing now that you've come back home career-wise? Um, as far as my career goes, I have my – at first I was, like, riding because it was with Lupe, so I was being accepted because I was with him. But they did know, like, yo, this dude is dope. He has his own talent. But, you know, Lupe was in the front. So it's like I was kind of in his shadows because it was the Lupe Fiasco show. Right. And now, since I made that transition to do what I'm doing now, I'm gaining my own fan base. And it's like I was, when I was, it's like the Gemini fans, when people knew me as Gemini, and I was like 320, 30 pounds, all those, that, that, that world died. Right. That was so long ago. It's a new generation here. So these people are looking at me like a new artist. They're like, who is this guy? Who is this? Yeah. And it's, I, I, I'm, I'm watching the fan base grow right now. 
um, I'm going around the world now doing shows, and I'm watching God get the glory now. Yeah. And I'm watching lives be changed. I'm, um, the emails that I get, bro. With the, uh, have you been able to connect with the, some of the other gospel hip-hop artists out there, the Lecrae's and uh, the Truth and some of these guys? You know, I, um, in the beginning, I connected with Lecrae once. Okay. In the beginning, like two, three years ago, I sat down with him, but I haven't connected with him. Uh, the Truth, I have connected with The Truth. We spoke on the phone a couple few times. I actually just did a song with uh, Bizzle. I spoke nice. with Bizzle on the phone. I spoke with, who else have I connected with? Christian Gray. Um, I did a show with him before. Christian Gray, I did a show with him. Yeah. Um, so I have had a chance to connect with a few. Now, Jim, before you, before we get too far, too far out there, man, I, I can hear our audience saying, like, hey, Mike, you know, we got to hear, man. We got to hear this dude spit some. So, and uh, I know you're ready to do that. So I, I want to hear you sing a little bit, too. So let's give you a few minutes to do both of those. <laughs> I got to hear you sing, bro. Now, now, now my voice kind of congested on these. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just a, just a little bit of singing. Just a little bit of singing so we can get a, ta- a taste of that. And then I would let you do what you really, you know, are ready to do. And do you, do you remember the song you sung to uh, Will Smith's manager? Yeah, I do remember that song. <laughs> uh, as a shorty, I thought Ed Jordans would make me cool. My uncle ran the block. He called shots over the old dude. My father was on drugs. All my friends were thugs. Only question, how was I going to make it through? I wanted to grow up and sing like my mother. I didn't pursue it before I knew it. My dreams were blue. I used to hustle in the hallways of my school. I gave you doubles for a prize you couldn't refuse. I wanted to be just like my uncles, because they're the only ones I've ever looked up to. I made it through some storms. I'm living for today. I'm focused on a come up before my life has me away. Walk inside my shoes. See it from my view. Understand my, understand my life. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk inside my shoes. See it from my view. Understand my life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. <laughs> go ahead and spit, bro. Let's hear you. Uh, let's hear you rap a little bit. I, you really gonna mess him up with this. <laughs> okay. Here's a little something. Lyrical monster. Lyrical monster, how can you deny something that's monstrous? Rapper, you can try to flow as bonkers. I thrive on being conscious because a mind that mostly soak up nonsense when applied, all it knows is conflict and only seems to conflict with thoughts of being violent when a blunt's lit, conspired, shots fired until something's hit. 
survives the only one wish. The Bible is my rifle. Pray to God bless the truth that you disciple on this conquest. The stupa's not as complex. They prove it through the bloopers of the young flesh. The youth don't have the noodles to become vets. Stooling gets you brung death. Went crazy on the cool, but everyone slept. Today I come to prove and there'll be none left. Embrace me, I'm a young chef. That's catering good food to those of none health. May the flavors let the truth be seen if nothing else. Almighty God, you summon that. You know, it's a little something that. Man, that's nice. That's nice. Hey, Mike, <laughs> he's bringing it in me, Mike. Oh, man, let me tell you, Jim Stone, I'm about ready to go out and find everything you ever made and download it. I'm serious, man. <laughs> I am serious. That is true. <laughs> and, and, and it's that interesting, true. man. I, all I listen to is Lecrae and Bizzle, be honest okay. with you. Yeah, I mean, okay. I got tons of that stuff. And some of the other gospel rap artists that I've had on my show as well and some of the other independent artists, um, generally that's what I listen to. But, man, I heard so much in your story. And, um, you know, the music is all about the life story. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and yeah. Hung- yeah. hungry artists, you know, fall off because they no longer have the story. When you change that life and you yeah. no longer can rap about the things you came from, and you become something different, the talent yeah. goes with it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. and, and I just, I just, I, I love your story. I can't wait to hear this show again. Um, it, it's just Amen. been a great interview. So let me ask you this. Have you had a chance to hear Elephant in the Room? No. Oh, you in for a big treat, bro. Oh, man. You're <laughs> I'm, in I'm for... Amped. I'm amped. <laughs> you're, in for, you're in for a big treat, man. Yeah. You're in for a big treat, bro. You're in for a big well, Jim, treat, bro. We, we definitely, uh, Mike has a show that he does on Friday night where he features artists. So hopefully you can connect with him and come back on that show. And before we go, I did have a burning question for you. Um, okay. With with the violence that's going on in Chicago and that plagues many of our cities. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah, just... Talk about that, what you're seeing, what, what's, what's going on on the ground. Help our listeners who don't live in that area uh, get a clearer picture of what's going on and what's being done about it. Um, okay, well, I, I, I want to speak for Chicago. Uh, I'm, I'm from Chicago, of course. I'm living in it, like, right now. Um, I actually still stay in the hood, like, um. Like literally, it's it's like next door to me is killers. Like it's so, oh my god, like 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 a two blocks down, kid was just murdered the other day, standing on the corner two blocks down. Wow. Uh, yesterday, day before, two days ago, they just gunned down this um this boxer. He was a boxer. They just killed him. Like is is the murder is is. It's crazy. It's like a war zone. Wow. Like, when I walk outside my doors, like, I pray, but I really do pray. Like, it's not a guarantee. Nothing in life is guaranteed, but I'm just trying to paint the picture for you guys. Yeah. It's not a guarantee that you're going to make it home in Chicago. When you leave outside of your door, you, you can't be sure that you're going to make it back home. Like, these shorties out here are wilding. They don't know who they are. They they don't have their own identity they just out here wilding and 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 honestly to be I mean, I could I could I could front and say, you know, I don't see no one trying to do anything about it. Wow. Because there's so much money being made off of it. 
and the people who are really trying to do something about it, they're not being their voices are not being heard. They 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 they're so so far down on the food chain, you'll never know who they are. But the people yeah. whose voices are being heard and they're quote unquote trying to do something about it, it's politics. And it's right. only for a name or a show. It's a show they showboating and it's and if you see what's really going on behind it, you see it's really all about a check. They're not really for the youth. Um, it's a lot of money being made off what's going on in Chicago. More police are getting jobs, and uh, it's, it's just money being made off of it, man. Yeah. And until, um, the, but I'll say this, bro. This, this thing was wrote out a long time ago. This thing didn't just happen. Somebody wrote this plan out a long time ago, and it's just being played out, bro. So we're living in it, and according to the word, bro, this is this this was prophecy, bro. It's just playing out the way it's gonna happen before Jesus returned to snatch his people up, and and you know the the the, the tribulation occurs. You know this yeah. is what was said is gonna happen. I don't see it getting better. It's not gonna get better. This has to happen. This has to happen so God can come back and take his world over. This is going to happen. He said love will grow cold. You won't be able to tell the seasons apart. It's happening. But what needs to happen, people need to heed and wake up. That's what needs to happen. No doubt about it. People need to stop playing with God and understand what time it is and that we don't have, dude, there's no time left. There's no time left, bro. And, that, and this Jim, is from the heart. Yeah. No doubt about it. And you, dude, you spoke to us today and your testimony. I thank you for not um, withholding your testimony because I believe we, we live in a time now where that's, that's going to make the major impact, hearing real lives, real stories about how God has changed those lives. Man, I, I thank you. I thank you. And uh, how can people uh, follow you? Okay. Um you can find me on, you know what, gemstonesforlife.com. Right. That will take you to all my social media sites. Gemstones, G-E-M-S-T-O-N-E-S, for life, F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com. Okay. That's my website. And, you guys go we to my website. Our, go ahead. We want our viewers, our listeners, and your listeners to hear this, to hear this particular interview. So make sure you tweet that out. Get that out, okay. and um, we want people to follow you. Okay. Okay, Gemstones for Instagram is Gemstones for Life. Everything is Gemstones for Life. My Facebook is Gemstones for Life. It's F-O-R. Gemstones for Life. You can find me on any social media site, Gemstones for Life. Awesome. Thank you, Gemstones. Yes, sir. God bless God you bless. in your work. Peace. Peace. Friends, music is a powerful force. What you do to feed your spirit musically can play a huge role in your mindset and spirituality. If we are what we eat, then what's in your spiritual diet? Is there a healthy heaping of praise and worship? Are you feasting on the Word of God? There was recently a survey that was given that said those who identify themselves as Christians in the United States of America have dipped by 10% in the last 20 years. Your willingness to feed your spirituality can make an impact in the lives of others. Eat well, and as always, keep loving God and people.
and live on purpose.